0: From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style.
1: Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Swamps and the French language put up barriers to globalization in Acadiana for generations. At least that's the conventional narrative that we tell ourselves. But even within our own community, we often underestimate just how wide the cultural landscape in South Louisiana has always been. Um, Barriers persist, but... There are lots of creative thoughtful people chiseling away at them and mining for a common heritage it's not limited to art or culture anthropology lafayette has explored international touchstones for decades through big events like festival international and more recently the latin music festival Uh, and my guest christina martinez is in the business of expanding those horizons she's been an event planner in lafayette for six years uh, managing projects big and small for party central and has hosted the latin music festival herself She's also a media personality. Moonlighting is the host of After Party with Christina Martinez, a Facebook live show about sex, sexuality and sexual health. Um, during the pandemic, Christina stepped up as a daily reporter, uh, translating press conferences and COVID information for Acadia and rapidly growing Hispanic community. She was born in Puerto Rico and has lived in Lafayette for 12 years. Christina Martinez, welcome to Out to Lunch.
2: Oh my God! Hi, you make me sound so interesting. <laughs> that was that was that was great. I mean, I need that for whenever I die and put it on my. What do you, what do you call that? Zone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. You're
1: welcome. Christine, I have news for you. You are, you are interesting.
2: Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> I guess. Thank you. Well, You're thank welcome. you for having me. You're welcome. So
1: what does it mean to be from somewhere anyway? Home is an idea that my next guest, Olivia Perillo, has explored in documentaries and in her photography. Uh, since childhood, she's been enamored of the connection between his swamps and the deserts of West Texas, where she spent time on trips to visit her mother's family. Um, Olivia and her creative partner have produced 2 documentaries over the last couple of years, Migration, which profiled women leaving their birthplaces in search of new homes, and Intention, which profiled the diversity of Louisiana uh, cultural traditions among women. Olivia's work on Intention was funded by a Create Louisiana grant, and her films have been screened internationally. She also works as an archivist for artist Linda Fries and a photographer for Country Roads magazine. Olivia Perillo, welcome
3: to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having
1: me. So, Christina, um, it's a bold thing to to launch a show like after party, oddly, even in 2021, I think. Um, but I'm curious how you found an audience for that in Lafayette, specifically because it's like a Spanish language show.
2: Um, yes. Well, I don't know. I guess I've been living in Louisiana for 12 years, and I uh, I know a lot of people in the Hispanic community, um, Mexican, Honduran, Puerto Rican. Here, it's it's a huge diversity, and um, I have a lot of friends that I guess the, I guess they weren't educated. Uh, in that aspect. It's something that they do not talk about. So they don't understand uh, how birth control works. They don't understand uh, what a menstrual cup is. They also talk about sex in a way that it, it you shouldn't talk about that in 2021. It's just, I mean, you have sex to reproduce, but you don't have sex for fun. Mm-hmm. They don't enjoy sex. Um, so... I was just like, you know what, let's do this. And I actually bring out sex toys, tampons, condoms. And uh, I talk to specialists about sex and um, talk about um, being gay, mm-hmm. lesbian, and now all the other terms that, that are out there. So trans I, I've had a, a transsexual, transvestite on my show. Mm-hmm. So it's just to educate them. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, I guess what I'm curious about is is like... You know, when you're thinking about who you would actually get to tune in, right? And it's like I'm thinking of the layers of complexity, like f- first finding an audience that's, you know, speaking to folks primarily in Spanish. When you talk about, like, people in maybe that culture aren't that open about talking about these things. I don't know that people are that open about talking about these things just in Lafayette, right? So I'm just, like, thinking, like, that's good. That's two layers, right? That you've got a breakthrough. And so when you do that first show, I mean, did you find that people flocked to it? Was it easy to get them to tune in or was it something that you really had to find an audience for?
2: The first show was really, really out there. Um, and it, it, it was, uh, that that's the first show that I actually literally brought a dildo out. It was a shock. Yeah. Um, I've had the Hispanic church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are against my show and they they have tried to shut it down they report the show they do all these things so yes at first it was hard a lot of people are very open and they they thank me for the show uh, but i have a lot of religious people that are just against it and that's okay i Mm -hmm. mean i knew it was going to happen um i just wish that people that that it would be in english too yeah so
1: well, it's been fun. don't rule that out just yet. I mean, Olivia, <laughs> looking at your list of projects, I mean, you're really hustling, not uncommon for somebody in your line of work, um, but you're also tackling some pretty heavy subjects, I think, in your documentary work, and so um, a lot of times that stuff is funded by, by grants. Generally, artists, you know, have to go after philanthropy, but that takes like, you know, that's like a full-time job all by itself. So, so how do you actually balance that? I mean, trying to figure out the time to do the work and get it paid for.
3: I'm definitely still figuring that out. Um, <laughs> It's definitely a challenge, but it's a labor of love too um, because it's work that I want to be doing regardless Mm -hmm. of being paid for it and just getting to that payment part is, you know, that much more, um, you know, awesome. Yeah, sure. (laughs) It wasn't eloquent, but...
1: Well, I mean, I guess, like, look, I'm not necessarily trying to go after the starving artist question, right? right? It's like, you know, but I do wonder sometimes, like, when you go through school and maybe you, you know, you get sort of trained in, you know, art this medium or that medium, Right. Um, Do they even take the time to explain to you, like, look, I mean, there is a process, right, for for, for developing a business out of this. There is a process for applying for grants, for knowing about things like Mm -hmm. the Great Louisiana Grant. I mean, how do you even land in that? Do they teach you that stuff?
3: Well, honestly, I only have two years of college education, and I've never taken a film or photography class. So it's all self-taught. And by knowing people in the community, I've had a lot of mentors throughout the last few years that have helped me out with... Or just by observing them, really, and working with them, like, on film sets, yeah. um, like Allison Bowl and mm-hmm. Peter DeHart. Yeah. Um, yeah, just taking notes of what other people are doing and figuring out how that works on my own schedule and my own ways of process. Yeah. You know, I was pretty intrigued
1: by the idea that, like, you felt like, you know, you would go back to your to visit your mom's family and that you felt like there's sort of a connection between the cultures out there and, and you know, South Louisiana, which is, like, very basic, the big difference seems to be like that's very dry this place is very wet I mean what is the actual connection there that you see
3: well I think culturally we're really similar um as far as like the way we celebrate and also our work ethic mm-hmm. I think as far as Mexican culture or you know Tejano culture with Cajun and Creole people they all come from struggle mm-hmm. and so I think that they have a work hard play hard mentality and I find that in celebration a lot which Mm is awesome you know a celebration of you know birthdays or anniversaries you know great happy things but also in death as well Mm -hmm. which is heavy but I've been exploring that a lot and just the honoring of the dead ancestors and friends Mm -hmm. it it seems to really hit a lot deeper than um, it does in the rest of the country in the way that it's celebrated you know with jazz funerals in New Orleans you know and you know these big parties that I grew up being a part of in west texas yeah
1: so I mean christina you've landed at least that i know of in three different right cultures you've described i mean growing up in puerto rico being raised in venezuela then you went in louisiana i mean have you found similar through lines from place to place that you've landed
2: yes i think you're completely right um we do celebrate the same way um but mexican puerto ricans honduran venezuelan it's very similar to the cajun culture mm-hmm. um if you go up north they tend to be a little bit not as you know warm and fussy like <laughs> let's just put it that way so yes i completely agree with what you're saying
1: mm-hmm. i mean h- how have you observed that from your work as an event planner i mean like when you're you know it sounds like something that you're really passionate about the way that you develop like, like this this kind of stuff i mean you know, is there really a connection and sort of the common things that people would expect at a big corporate event, you know, um, here versus somewhere else? I mean, they...
2: party wise is completely different. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I work for an amazing company that they let me be very creative. Now, if we do, let's say, an example, Saniera, mm-hmm. a quinceanera and a Cajun wedding, they're they, there are similarities, but at the same time they are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I mean, th- there are so many things that I can say. But <laughs>
1: let's unpack all of them. <laughs>
3: I mean, uh, you, uh, you I, know, I've definitely experienced that. My my cousin had a quinceanera a couple of years ago, and in Arizona, and I went and photographed. And tell
2: me, it's not the most ridiculous thing you've ever it seen. It was so
3: extravagant. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wonderful. Yes. I mean, so, the dresses. Oh, it, everybody looked amazing, and it's like they have like kind of like a like a bridal party you know like a wedding party Um, so there's 15 girls 15 boys and um, yeah and they have this like synchronized dance that's traditional it's a huge production did she go to the mall because they apparently
2: I just learned this the other day before the quinceanera but they do this a lot in Texas and Mexico but not here they go to the mall and they just walk Oh, like to show off? Yes. Oh, that's But I mean, cute. it's a huge, it's like a, like the, the big gypsy wedding, it's a huge dress. Oh my yes.
1: gosh. Yes. So, I mean, is there a, look, I understand that like sort of there, there, there are more people in the Hispanic community growing growing up here in Lafayette. I mean, do, do you have to have a specialty events business to, to cater to something? Like she described it as extravagant and I'm thinking, okay, I've been to some extravagant weddings, but I mean, sounds like it's quite different maybe in nature. I mean... Uh,
2: Honestly, they, it's, it's, it's a little bit complicated for, and it's mainly the Hisp- the Mexican community, sure. not as much as the other ones, to have that kind of production here in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, their parties, Louisiana, usually, like, let's say if they hire you to do a wedding at a venue, they're approximately four hours. Mexicans, it would be 10, 12 hours. I mean, and the amount of alcohol. You would oh, know. Yeah. You would know. <laughs> I do. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's <laughs> there, are, there are certain places that they're allowed to do those parties here, but it, they're just, they tend to be really wild. Mm-hmm. A Cajun wedding or event that, is, that gets that wild is usually out at their property because, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't do that at a venue.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, but it's, it gets crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, so Olivia, in your work, it sounds like you've, you've been able to sort of explore um, you know, different kind of connection points about different cultures within Louisiana, different cultures in your own life. I mean, um, does this work tend to surprise you a good bit? I mean, like you just described like going to visit a cousin in Arizona and you're seeing how extravagant all this is, right? I mean, like, um, is that what really you gravitate toward or, or is it this sort of heavier aspect that you were describing? Earlier?
3: I would definitely say both. Because I don't think you could have one without the other. Um, I like the balance of the happiness and the darkness. Yeah. You know, I think that that duality is really important and essential whenever looking at ancestral healing work and um, yeah, just learning more about yourself and your culture. And since I was born here and grew up here in South Louisiana and I traveled my whole life, I was always in between the two. And every time I would go and come back, it was always this like perspective shift that was kind of trippy because it was you know living in these two different ways of life you know visiting my family and being here with you know different social circles but um at the same time it was it's refreshing to see because it's 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 always interesting and I'm constantly as I get older I'm constantly seeing similarities between the two and differentiating them but that's something that I strive to do in my photography work is like capture the both but relate and um show how they are similar yet different in these different ecosystems what
1: do you mean when you're talking about ancestral healing work
3: um healing culture yeah so (laughs) so interesting i'm like what (laughs) i'm pretty new with it but um yeah so ancestral healing work is basically understanding who your ancestors were and where you come from and learning what struggles they went through because a lot of their traumas are passed down through our dna's so for example if we have a problem with alcoholism. We are likely to have alcoholism in our family, you know, with our grandparents or our great grandparents or even before then. Mm-hmm. And what caused them to be alcoholics in the first place? You know, was it migration or, you know, colonization, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's endless lists of things why people drink. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's been a fascinating journey to, like, I started kind of like on ancestry.com after archiving my family's old photographs. Um, cause, you know, they were just in boxes and I wanted, you know, digital preservations of them. So I started scanning them and then incorporating them into my collage work with my photography of the land that held them mm-hmm. out West. So it's kind of this cool juxtaposition of past and present, but also learning who my people were that came before me mm-hmm. and trying to understand them the most so that I don't pass, that, pass down generational traumas mm. to my future children if I have them.
1: That's fascinating. I mean, uh, especially, like, trying to think about just doing that much digging in your own heritage and, like, actually, like, climbing into, you know, the skeletons in the closet. It sounds like exactly. you spend a lot of time just actually, like, trying to introduce yourself to, to skeletons. Definitely. That people, that it's people it's a dark
3: work. <laughs> but but it's it's really, it's, it's healing, you know, which I find so fascinating with it. And that's something that I hope that other people can see within my work to look at themselves and see you know, where they come from and to learn, you know, the most about themselves. Have I you think
2: found anything like shocking that it's like,
3: oh, my God, I can't believe this happened or, you
2: know, any, um, any part of history of your family that? Yes
3: and no, I think because I think that we, if we're really um, like intuitively within in our bodies, I think that we can like feel these certain things. So some things aren't surprising. But but as I've gotten older, you know, just like learning things about my family and, you know. Realizing, okay, this this makes sense. Why people's behavior? I'm really into psychology, so like witnessing how people behave, you know, in certain situations and environments hmm. is fascinating to me.
1: You're listening to Out to Lunch. i Christian Bader. I'm talking to documentarian Olivia Perillo and event planner Christina Martinez. I Meet mean, Christina on your show, right? I mean, it I mean, it's like the format, right? Is you talking to people that you're probably already friends with, right? Yes. I mean, mostly, but yes. I mean, but you're still asking people to open up in a, in a way that, you know, she's exploring yes, her like culture. I would love it,
2: to have you on my it's show. It's just sort
1: of like thinking about, you know, okay, well, but, but it's still confronting something that people don't like to talk about in the open, whether that's sex or relationships. Oh, I mean, yes. how do you actually get people to open up?
2: Well, I lo- it's and it's, incre- it's so interesting because last month I had a lady, a, a witch, maybe you would say. She's actually from Mexico, and oh. I contacted her. She specializes in doing brujería. So, because um, people talk about that, but nobody, I mean, nobody knows what it is, but they just talk about it.
1: I don't know what that is. What brujería
2: is, that? is basically voodoo, dark oh, magic, okay, sure, and all yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I was asking her what kind of works, uh, what kind of jobs she does for people. And she was telling me about, you know, breaking people up and the process of it. So it's very interesting. And in the Hispanic community, this is a thing. I mean, they actually believe in this. Like you pass an egg all over your body. Um, and then you, I think it's, you leave it like 24 hours. I might be saying it wrong. And then you crack it open and then it, it shows if somebody did brujería on you or mm-hmm. on your, on your kid. Like okay. if you're, if your baby is very whiny, they tell you to just pass an egg. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. And I have this woman, so it's not just relationship. I like to talk about things that people don't like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and this month, because it's, it's Halloween, I want to talk about Día de los Muertos mm-hmm. and all these in- interesting things that mm-hmm. people just n- know about but don't really know about it. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, is it, I guess well,
1: it's interesting to me. It's like you're, you're, you're going after things that people don't want to talk about Correct. but you have a talk show. Yes. So how do you actually make that work? I mean, it almost feels like, you know, at some level somebody would just be like, hey, Leave me alone. I want to keep that. In, I want to keep my skeletons in the closet. They were comfortable there. But
2: they, but, but I do it in a way that, like, this lady, uh-huh. you wouldn't, she wasn't showing her face. Uh-huh. You know, I, I ask people, I mean, I, I'm pretty out there. I'm like, I want to talk about this. And yeah. I ask them, do you want to, do you feel comfortable? Some of them say yes. Some of them say no. And that is okay. Hmm. So I go to somebody else. So, but I can talk about good things, bad things. Just whatever usually what they don't want to talk about <laughs> I mean and d- don't get me wrong I am extremely criticized mm-hmm. like small minded people mainly Hispanic people I talk about what a Prince Albert is I talk about all these sexual things that people just do not want to talk about mm-hmm. and I get labeled as if I am a very extremely open minded person which I am but they think that I practice everything that I talk about yeah. which is okay I don't care. Yeah. My partners on the show are Eddie Mont. He's a hairstylist. He is, uh, he's married. He has, he's, he's gay. Mm-hmm. And then I have Daisy Jimenez. She's a photographer and she's openly bisexual. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm the one that gets, you know, criticized and I'm okay with that. I don't care because ultimately if some, if one or two teenagers learned about uh, being gay and coming out and that it's not wrong or, you know, a housewife mm-hmm. that, learns about sex it's great there was one show that i was like you know what if you don't have the money to pay for any sort of sex toy use these household items <laughs> and mind you i brought these i mean apparently there is a, a hand job and blow job that you give with a grapefruit google it <laughs> just google it yeah. so i was uh, just household items that you can use as sexual toys hmm. spatula Okay. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's interesting because it's like you, you're, you're very openly confronting people with this. I mean, in, in, obviously, you live in a different way, right? Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, in, sure. In a different way, right? Art can be, uh, especially the kind of work that you're talking about, right? I mean, if you're talking about colonization, if you're talking about... Um, systemic racism, right? Like, these are things that people don't like to be confronted with, right. and, and it can be challenging even to find people to support that work. I mean, so, so how do you go into that in a way that gives you, I mean, look, I know the artist's mindset would be to say, look, it's important that I do it, but I mean does that enter your mind, the fact that you're having to sort of take a step to I mean, we'll go back to the skeletons, the closet thing like you're opening the closet door here and saying like, deal with this.
3: Sure, it's a little rebellious, but I think it's important for everybody to acknowledge confronting these issues really can push our culture forward yep. which I'm really passionate about portraying and as Christina was saying as far as like the like faith healing goes um, so as far as with intention
1: yeah
3: having traitors in the film was essential to us mm-hmm. because we know that these healers exist in every culture mm-hmm. but some cultures don't acknowledge it you know I have to ask you something yeah, yeah. can go I ahead. ask her something yeah, go, go ahead Go ahead. and
2: this is something that I ask myself every day yeah because uh, look I'm a single mother and I and it's it, 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 for me there's a very thin line I work at Party Central and I know that doing so, such a like, a like an out there show can could hurt my career it hasn't yet fortunately again I work for an amazing company but what is your purpose it, it's like, right. like, why do you do it?
3: Right. So, yeah. well, yeah, like you said, the I think progressing our culture is really important because we do have a lot of these traditional ideals mm-hmm. and possibly, you know, just a lot of, without knowing the full extent of what it is, you know, people are afraid of, you know, going to these skeletons in the closet and don't want to confront them. But I think once they do, or once they understand that it's not you know, dark magic, or even if it is, that it's not necessarily bad, you know, that we can progress our culture as, um, you know, just for the future. It's it's part of our evolution.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I've asked this question in the show a bunch of times because people bring up traitors, for instance. I mean, is that, are you familiar with the term traitor, Christine? Is it, okay, so in... well, actually, maybe Olivia would be better to explain. She's what one actually recently.
3: <laughs> sure. In Cajun and uh, Creole cultures, uh, traitors are faith healers, uh, okay. traditionally based in the Catholic faith, but um, they would say prayers over you um, sometimes, you know, just once or sometimes for like a period of five days or a week or something, and um, for whatever you're struggling with. Um, and whether that's it's, here they have those. Yes. Here. Okay. Yes. And so, with intention, we um, have two traitors in the film, Becca Begno and Miss Willa May Duga and it was interesting to hear both of their perspectives of where they came from and what, whenever they realized. So the gift is traditionally passed down um, through, from uh, someone of the opposite sex okay. that's older than you traditionally, but that's not how everybody receives these specific kind of, kinds of prayer. Okay. And that goes into the French language too, because um, part of the prayer that they say isn't, it's in French, but it's not, it doesn't really mean anything in French. Okay. So there's that concept of, well, if these words don't mean anything in a certain language, does that mean they're ineffective or, well, I, I think not because, you know, it's the intention behind it of what they're trying to. Are they healers? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So I guess my question is: is is you described I, the the woman who the witch? You Brujeria. described the, the yes, <laughs> yes, the, the, yes. The, so I mean, is, was that a kind of faith healer? I mean, no. is this?
2: this woman believes in what is called La Santa Muerte. Okay. Um, which is a whole. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I don't know a lot of La Santa Muerte. Yeah. Um, they are not Catholics. They're not Christians. They believe in it's like. I'm gonna find an image. Uh, Because it is kind of creepy. Um, (laughs) Is it it,
3: um, just like a a pre colonized method of healing? Like it goes back to indigenous? Uh, No. No. People? No. Oh, okay. That That would be Santeria. That looks
2: like the the Grim Reaper. Okay, okay, there's a picture
1: for for, for the radio listeners out there it's a picture of a Grim
2: Reaper. Yes. So. It you have to you have to offer something. Mm-hmm. You have the you ask for what you want, mm-hmm. and then you have the you have to give them something. I mean, if let's say I want to win the lotto, I don't know an example. But if I win, I'm going to give you a sack of oranges. Mm-hmm. is just an example. And these people have an altar mm-hmm. of everything that they offer. So. Let's say now if you go deep into it, um, you offer a dead animal mm-hmm. or you, I mean, it, it goes, you know, it's its really dark. And she was explaining that to us, mm-hmm. that she 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 mainly is to get your partner back or, you know, to break somebody up. And she was telling us the things that she has to do. And she usually goes to a cemetery mm-hmm. and it's what, what it's called a panteón. And because um, they do that, I don't know if they do that here, in Mexico it's very common that they have a panteón. It's like they they bury somebody and then you go in there. And, I mean, some of these people have, like, living rooms and mm. stuff in there. And then you just go and put the uh, one of those candles and mm. pictures and you offer things to them. La Santa Muerte. Wow. So it's, yeah.
1: It's, you know, it's, what's interesting to me about this, right, is, is that these are all things I think that we all confront, period, right? So you're we talking about, you know, uh, people's relationship with death or with sex, right? Like, these are actually like culturally universal because they're universal to the human experience. So it makes sense, of course, that you would find these things expressed everywhere and and, and it's, you know, we might think that it's kind of shaped a little bit differently and a little um, foreign to us but the reality is that we're all just sort kind of talking about the same thing and so it's interesting to talk to two people, of course, who've, who've kind of made recent careers of themselves of like trying to get you get people to talk about these things that they often try to keep in the closet. Um yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so thank you guys for sharing that with me on After Lunch. Um Christina and Olivia, thank you so much for joining me today on at the Lunch at Gadiana.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana have been event planner Christina Martinez and uh, documentarian Olivia Perillo. We edited this show to fit in the time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Christina and Olivia and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find... Anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com. And on our social media, these photos were taken by Aster Morgan. And you can find more of his work at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh, and our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Rischer. Our researcher is Claire Como, and I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. For more local news and commentary, head over to thecurrentla.com. Sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation on Out to
0: Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones-Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Lafayette Comedy, bringing national comedy shows to Acadiana. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.